0: chapter number 9 tonight two verses that we're going to look at a ton of verses after that Isaiah chapter number 9 and um, my idea for this sermon came as I was practicing with the choir all the time that I spent practicing with them and that first song for unto us a child is born unto us a son is given and so it kept sticking in my head I went to this passage, and the Wednesday nights leading up, we did a. We've gotten off a of doctrine a little bit, but we still talk about doctrinal things, and there'll be some doctrine in tonight's message as well. But as we look tonight, and we get into the message, the message, the title tonight is unwrapping the whole gift. Now we look at Christmas time, and I would say that. In our world today, it's a little different than what it was meant to be. The whole idea is giving, right? It's more, and we think about what the scripture says, it's more blessed to give than to receive. But now it seems like everybody wants to receive, 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 but there's something special about giving. Now, when I was a kid, I couldn't wait for the presents I was going to get. I enjoyed receiving gifts. Now, how many of you, if you can remember when you were a kid, would say the same thing. You like getting gifts. But I'll tell you this, something changed when I got to a certain age and it got to the point to where I didn't really care about what How many of you really, in all reality, you don't care that much about gifts today? But how many of you love seeing someone open up something that you give to them? Yes, and see, it changes a little bit. I enjoy watching my kids open presents. I enjoy that. I enjoy my wife opening things. I enjoy giving things. It's just more fun that way. I have more fun Christmas shopping for people than I do opening up gifts for myself. And that's that's how it should be. And that's a good thing to learn. But there are times, and as we look tonight at this wonderful passage, I want you to realize we have not been given the whole gift yet. We've only been giving a little sampling of it. Yes, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Part of the present's been unwrapped in Jesus Christ coming and dying for our sins. But you've got to understand something, that's not the whole present. And sometimes we leave out the rest of it. And in all reality, we sang tonight, Joy to the World. That song is not really a Christmas song. That song is talking about when the Lord comes again. And so for a little bit of time tonight, I want to talk about unwrapping the whole gift. I want you to look at Jesus Christ in the entire package tonight, and not just the birth that happened in Bethlehem. Now as we look at this, and we think on this, we know some facts about Jesus when he came. We know that Jesus was God in human flesh. We know that Jesus was born in Bethlehem that God stepped out of eternity and entered into time. We know that Jesus was a great teacher. He was a miracle worker and a healer. We know that Jesus came to die for the sins of the entire world. We know that he rose again from the dead and ascended back into heaven to make intercession for his people and to prepare a place for us. We know all of this and we know what Christmas is about. We know probably he wasn't born on December 25th. But we know he came. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We know this truth. But tonight as we look at this tonight and we look at these verses, let's read them together. Isaiah 9 verse number 6 and 7 says, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government ...shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. And upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this and so as we look in all reality you look at the we look at this passage as a christmas passage but in all reality the first two lines are talking about what was given to us in jesus the rest of it talks about what is to come when he came as a babe in the manger was the government upon his shoulders No, that's talking about a day that's still coming. And if you read there, it says, And his name shall be called. Yes, he is wonderful. He's the counselor. He's the mighty God. He's the everlasting father. He's the prince of peace. But that's talking about a future event still. It talks about the peace that's going to be on the throne and of his kingdom and the judgment and the justice that's to come. So sometimes, like our children do with their Christmas presents, we look at, we barely get open, oh, this is wonderful! But there's a lot more to it. And I want to take a little bit of time tonight and unwrap the entire gift that's given to us in Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that you bless the next few minutes tonight, and I pray that you'd help us. We love you. We need you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Number one tonight, we see the gift of his coming. The gift of his coming, verse number 6, right before us there, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The phrase there, a child is born, identifies him as a man. The baby Mary brought into the world 2,000 years ago was fully human. He knew pain. He knew what sorrow was like. He knew what grief was like. He knew what being hungry was like. He knew what it was like to be thirsty. He knew what it was like to get tired. He knew what it was like to suffer. The Bible says in John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. And that same chapter, verse 14, says, and the Word... Jesus was made flesh. God was made flesh, and he dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You see, the Bible tells us here, unto us a child is born. It also says, unto us a son is given. It identifies him not only as human, but identifies the coming Messiah as fully God as well. It says there a son is given. God didn't come into this world a full-grown man. He came as a babe, didn't he? But that babe was God in the flesh. He was given so that we could be redeemed from our sins. We talked about it enough to realize man could not die for man's sins because all men are sinners and all of us fall short of God's glory. And God couldn't die for man because God has no sin in him. So what was the only way possible for redemption to take place? You would have to take 100% of God and 100% of man and put them together. And that way God could die for man as a man. That's why Jesus did what he did for us. We know these truths. We know that that babe there in the manger was no ordinary baby. We know there's never been a baby ever born, born like Jesus. And to think of those that came, the shepherds that saw him, the heavenly hosts, the wise men that came a couple years later. They were not there the night he was born. I know it makes for a great song. And I, and even if we go there, we three kings, how do we know there were only three? They had gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They had three gifts. But it makes for a wonderful song to sing. But there's no true, There's some truth there, but it's not Sound doctrine in those songs, but we sing those, and it's okay. I loved as a kid being in the Christmas play, singing We Three Kings. That was, you know, and uh, and I, the one year I was, if you saw Matthew here on Sunday, he got a little nervous with everyone, and I get that. I was in fifth grade, and finally, all the older kids had grown up. The ones who had good voices, they were gone. So they were in seventh grade, so they didn't get to do the Christmas play anymore. So I was so excited for the fact that I was probably going to be one of the kings. And my, my pastor, his mom, was the one who did the play. And I was so excited. And was I really excited? I don't know why I was excited about it because I was so nervous. And so I, it was right at that time, and she came up, Brian, I know you want to be a king really, really bad, but I need someone to be Joseph. I'm like I don't want to be Joseph. I want to be a king, you know. You know, myrrh is mine, it's bitter. I could, I I know those verses, I could sing it. And she's like, you know what we'll do? You can sing the first verse and introduce them coming in. These three kings of Orient are." I'm like, why I ever wanted to do that, it was awful. I was so nervous. My parents were so, I know they had to get frustrated with me because I probably wore a hole in the carpet from pacing back and forth, being so nervous doing it. So I know where my son gets it from. But I wanted wanted, wanted to be a king so bad, and I had to be Joseph. But anyways, I don't know why I wanted that. We know the truth. We celebrate the truth that Jesus came to earth and dwelt among us. Without God being a man, Jesus' death and resurrection means nothing. With it, his sacrifice means everything to us. But as we look tonight at this passage of Scripture, I want you to realize something tonight. We see before us the two phrases are what have been delivered in Jesus Christ, but there's so much more that's still to come. And I want to dwell on that tonight. And when we think about that fact, and we think about the gift of his coming, we know the fact that he came as a babe. But then he left again. But the Bible tells us that he is coming again. Do you know how many verses talk about him coming again? The Bible tells us in John chapter 14, verse number 3, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. In Matthew 25, 31, when the Son of Man shall come in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. Bible tells us in Revelation, chapter number one, verse number seven, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him, even so, amen. Chapter 2, verse number 25. But that which ye have already Hold fast till I come. He's coming again. Chapter 3, verse number 11. Behold, I come quickly. Behold, that fast, Hold hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. He's coming again. Chapter 16, verse number 15. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. Chapter 22, verse number 7. Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give to every man according as his work shall be. And uh, chapter 22, verse number 20. He which testifieth these things says, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. And we see the fact that he is coming again. And when we think about what we have in Jesus Christ, yes, He came in a manger. But may I remind you again tonight that He is coming again in that second coming. And the day of the Lord is at hand. The Bible tells us in Revelation 19, verse number 11, And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful, and true, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. This doesn't sound like the babe in a manger, does it? His eyes were as flames of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses clothed in fine linen, White and clean, and out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword that with it it shall smite the nations, and he shall rule them with the rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God, and he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I want you to know tonight that, as we look at Jesus and we think about his first coming and what he did, and who he was, that babe coming, may I remind you tonight. That part of that gift, part of unwrapping the whole package, is realizing the fact that He's coming again. And the Bible makes that clear. The Bible's pretty clear on that. Am I wrong on that statement? Jesus is coming again. And when He comes again, all the rest of this present that we see in Isaiah chapter number 9 will be given to us in Jesus Christ. Because you understand what all comes. We see number one tonight, we see the gift of his coming. And when he comes, we'll see number two, the gift of his name. Look at verse number six. It says, and what Isaiah says here, look what it says For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. You see, Isaiah tells us here that when he comes and the government's upon his shoulders, he will be given many titles. And may I just tell you, he owns all those titles today. He owns all, each and every one of them. But let's look at them for a minute tonight. The Bible says his name shall be called, first of all, letter A. We see that he is wonderful. As we look at wonderful, this means supernatural, secret, and extraordinary. This name points out how awesome he truly is. How far above our comprehension he is. How his ways could never be our ways, and our thoughts could never reach his thoughts. He's wonderful tonight. He's wonderful in his words, and his works. He's wonderful in all that he does. We see letter B. We see that he's the counselor. This word means to advise, to give counsel, to purpose or to devise and to plan. The ultimate planner is Jesus Christ. When we think about that word counselor there, it refers to his role as a leader and a guiding force of our lives. And I think it's important in each of our lives that we have good godly counselors we go to. But may I tell you, you've got someone who will direct your path and help you along in life. He is the ultimate counselor tonight. The Bible says in Psalms thir- thirty-seven twenty-three, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. I think about Proverbs chapter number 3. It's not up on the screen. But trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him. And he's going to direct your paths. Romans 8, 28, we know that verse, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. You see, as we think about the gift of his names, he's wonderful. He's Counselor. or letter C, he's mighty God. Literally, this word means hero. Man, you know, there are a lot of people that we have superheroes that people are, Right? I don't know. How many of you, let's talk about Batman and Superman for a minute, okay, tonight. How many of you like Batman more than you like? How many of you are a Batman fan? Let me see those hands. How many of you like Superman better? Okay, let me help you out tonight. Batman just has a lot of money and a lot of toys. There's nothing superhero about Batman. He just has the money. And I guess if you have the money, that's good enough, right? But come on. I know that I know Kryptonite is Superman's thing there, but Superman—that's a—that's—that's that's a real superhero. Batman is not; he's just a guy with money that likes toys and to play around. That's Batman for you. And why they have in the comics and those different things where Batman actually beats Superman one day—it makes no sense. And anyways, we'll just leave that there. As you can tell, who I go for out of those two there. But in all reality, we look at and people. You know, if you're a, if you're a Marvel, you know, if you're that, that was DC and things, but if you're a Marvel fan and all the different things that they have, and all different superheroes and all these things, there are no, they're not real. There's one superhero, his name is Jesus. When we look at this, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God. It refers to one who is strong, mighty, and invincible. He alone is worthy to be our hero. You know why? Because of all that he's defeated. What is our hero? What has the Mighty God defeated tonight? Number one, he's defeated death. Hey, has anyone else done that? Oh, they might make it up in a movie, but no, no one else has defeated death. There's been one person to defeat death. And the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, 55, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? And the very next verse talks about, but thanks be to God which giveth us through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is where the victory comes from because he defeated death. No one else has ever done it. You know what separates Jesus from every other little God that anyone ever has in this world? He's alive. He conquered death. Hey, Buddha, there's a grave spot where he's at. Muhammad, there's a spot for him. Joseph Smith, there's a spot for him. We could go through a lot of different people tonight. Moses has a spot. But may I tell you tonight, they don't know. And in all reality, we've talked about it. And we're going to try and work it out. And saving your pennies now. A year and a couple months, March of 2024, we're looking at doing a church trip to Israel. And so, we're gonna, I'll get more details, especially after the first of the year. But I don't want to burst anyone's bubble, but they really don't know if that's the tomb where Jesus was. And in all reality, it's probably not. So why don't they know? Because he's not there. If he was in, you could say that's Jesus' tomb we serve a risen savior and man i know joseph gave the lord something good but i wonder if he knew the bible enough to know he's going to rise again and be like hey i'll give jesus this nice gift and then he got it back three days later i don't know but jesus conquered death what else did jesus conquer sin has any human ever conquered sin god man did jesus did Bible tells us in Romans 6, verse number 14, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for not under the law, but under grace. And Jesus Christ conquered sin. He conquered death. Do you know who else he's conquered? Satan. He's conquered Satan. Do you realize tonight that Satan is a defeated foe? Go back to Genesis chapter number three, verse 15, "I'll put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. He's going to give a death blow to you." That's what Jesus did. He's the mighty God. He's our hero because he's defeated death. He's defeated sin. He's defeated Satan. All oh, this? He's defeated the grave. Has anyone else defeated the grave? Say, oh, Lazarus did. Yeah, the Lord helped him do that. But Lazarus isn't still alive today, is he? No, poor guy had to die another time. Think about that. He had to to die another time. And uh, we don't look at it that way. We're like, he rose from the dead. Yeah, but then he had to die again. I wonder how he went the second time. If it was easier or harder than the second. I don't know. Ever think of those things? But that's some way to think about it. We can look at Matthew 28 and see the fact he's not here, but he's risen as he said. Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty, but now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that sleep. Man, he's mighty God. He's defeated death, sin, Satan, the grave. He's defeated eternity. So much we could say going down this road. We look. The Bible tells us here, His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God. Look at the next one, the Everlasting Father. I think you understand what everlasting means, right? That means everlasting. You can look at another. It means forever. He's the and He's our everlasting Father. He is the Great I Am. He's our Father. That word means producer or generator. He is our source. He brought us into being, and He sustains our lives by our power, by His power. Think about this as our everlasting Father. What does He do? First of all, He loves us. He loves you tonight. Jeremiah 31, 3, The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. Paul said in Romans 8, verse number 38 and 39, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. As our everlasting Father, He loves us. Number two, He supports us. He supports us. Look what it says in Psalm eighteen thirty-five: Thou hast also give, given me the shield of thy salvation, and thy right hand hath holded me up, and thy gentleness hath made me great. Deuteronomy thirty-three twenty-seven: The eternal God is thy refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. And he that and he shall thrust out the enemy from before thee, and shall say, Destroy them. Aren't you glad that you can lean on the everlasting arms tonight? He supports us. He sustains us. Number three. Paul said in Second Timothy 1, verse number 12, For the which cause I also suffer these things, nevertheless I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. See, as our everlasting Father next, he comforts us. Bible tells us in John 14, verse 16 through 18, it says, And I pray the Father that He will give you another comforter, that He may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it sees Him not, neither know Him, but ye know Him, for He dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. As an everlasting Father, number five, He provides for us provides for us so many verses we can look about his provision luke 12 verse 32 fear not little flock for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom go to matthew 6 25 through 33 and see if the lord cares about a bird falling to the ground or the blades of grass he cares about you this evening the Bible tells us, Philippians 4.19, but my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. We see as we look tonight, we see the gift of His coming, we see the gift of His names. His name's wonderful. His name's Counselor. He's the, ever, he's the mighty God, the everlasting Father. And we see next that He's the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. Man to think that He will rule His kingdom in peace. Look at, the, look at the very next verse. And of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Has this world ever, since sin entered into the picture, seen peace like this? Never. We look at the chaos going on in our world today and the governments and these things. And may I just remind you tonight that he is the Prince of Peace. He's the creator provider of peace. And those who know him, those who are saved, should know what his peace is like. The Bible tells us in John 14, 27, it says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. John 16, 33, and these things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world he shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Philippians 4, 7, one of my favorite verses. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. What a name. And when we think about these titles, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. When I think about the fact that someday the world's going to know these names for him. Man, that babe in the manger, the man, God-man, that died on the cross, they rejected him. But someday, the Bible tells us in Philippians 2, verse number 9, wherefore God hath highly exalted him, Jesus, and given him a name which is above every name. And at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father." When he comes, the world will acknowledge him to be God, Lord, and King. Man, that's a gift the world needs today, and it's a gift that the world's going to get someday. You see, there's the gift of his coming, the gift of his names. Number three, the gift of his ruling. The gift of his ruling Isaiah tells us here that when the Lord comes, one of the gifts he will give the world will be his perfect reign as king of kings. He says there and the government shall be upon his shoulders. There in verse number six, then verse number seven. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it. When we look at this letter A, we see that when Jesus comes back, he will come as a king to rule. He's coming as a king to rule. We see verses that talk about him in the book of Revelation, chapter 12, verse number 5. And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. In Revelation, chapter number 12, when you have that woman there and that dragon trying to get that child it's got to be jesus i know people try to say no it's referring to the nation of israel and things i think it's pretty clear it's jesus bible tells us in revelation 19 verse 15 and 16, we read these earlier now his mouth go with a sharp sword that you think about this he spoke the world into existence and he's going to take it out with his words and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. And he had on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. You see, when he comes back, he is coming to rule. Remember how the, how the disciples kept asking him, Hey, when are you going to set up your kingdom? When are you going to set it up? My time is not yet. His time is coming. And this is the day of the Lord that we see about. But we see letter A, when Jesus comes back, he will come as a king to rule. And letter B, we see that he is coming, and when he does, he will establish an eternal kingdom. The Bible's clear about this. The Bible tells us in uh, Psalm 145, verse 10 through 13 All thy works shall praise thee, O Lord, and the saints shall bless thee. They shall speak of the glory of thy kingdom and talk of thy power to make known to the sons of men his mighty acts and the glorious majesty of his kingdom. Thy kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. and Thy dominion endureth throughout all generations. Jeremiah 23, verse 5 and 6 says, Behold, the day come, saith the Lord, that I'll raise unto David a righteous branch, And a king shall reign and prosper, and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. In his days Judah shall be saved, and Israel shall dwell safely. And this is his name, by which shall be called the Lord our righteousness. The Bible tells us in Luke chapter number 1, verse 32 and 33, He shall be great, talking about Jesus. And he shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there shall be no end. What did Jesus say to Pilate in John 18, 37? Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause I came into the world, that they should bear witness of the truth. Everyone that Here And that's not the right verse that should be up on the screen right there. Don't you love that when you're reading and you're like, you're going through and you're like, that's not the verse that I wanted up there. But you say, why wasn't a different verse put up? Because that's the one I put I wanted down. I think I did that anyways. But he says that my kingdom's not of this world. That's the verse I wanted there. And it's in John 18, and you can find that there. One day, Jesus will occupy the throne of David. You realize not, not all his promises throughout the Bible and what he made to Abraham or to David, they've not all been fulfilled. He's, there's still some things that have to happen. That's why those who don't believe in the millennial reign of Christ, they're denying the fact that there's still things that have to happen from the promises that God gave years ago. Now, it's interesting to me. Do you realize today, is there a king in Israel? Does Judah have a king? They haven't had a king in a long time, have they? Are they going to have a king again? Yes, they will. Do you know, you say, who's, who could rightfully be the king in Israel today? I don't know that anyone could truly find out. Do you know why? Where are the records that you can trace back to who could be king? But do you know something that's very interesting? Do you know we have today the records of Jesus' line through Mary and his line through Joseph? And someday when he comes, he is the only one who can rightfully once again be the king of the Jews. You have his chronological record before your very eyes in the word of God. There's no one else that has that today. Isn't it interesting that till, what, 19, 40-something Israel wasn't even a nation any longer now they are again it's amazing how that all plays out but he's coming again and we see the gifts that are still to come and we look lastly tonight number four and we see the gift of his justice and his judgment man I look at our world today I look at America today Could you imagine having a ruler that was just and his judgments are always right? Even if it's someone that's on your side of the political side of things, there has yet to be anyone who is just and right. But Jesus will be. Look at what it says there in our text. It says. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end and upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order and to establish it. What's he going to establish it with? With judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. Wow. Hey church, there's no peace in Washington, DC. tonight. There's no peace in the Middle East. There's no peace in Ukraine. There's no peace in Russia tonight there is no peace anywhere. Why? Because there's war. There's racial tensions in our world. There's crime. There's turmoil on every hand. But I want you to understand something, that Jesus is coming again, and he's going to rule with justice and judgment. Think about what those angels cried out that day when Jesus was born, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. With all that we know about, and, you know, we hear, what's the cry that I heard over and over again? I remember with our police department, I had to go, I barely became a chaplain. And we had a lot of those protests going on. Well, there was going to be a George Floyd protest in Chino Hills. And they're like, as a chaplain, would you just go out there and pray? So I didn't wear my chaplain uniform. But they're all out there chanting their stuff, and I just knelt down out there and prayed. This is what they said. No justice, no peace. That was their famous saying. And someday, there will be true justice, and there will be true peace. So in all reality, their saying was true. Someday, there will be peace. Someday, there will be justice. Imagine a world where there's no more war, no more injustice, no more racial divides, no more religious or racial differences. Imagine a world where everyone can worship God and bow to Jesus Christ. That's coming. That's when you fully unwrap what Christmas is all about. That's all that we sometimes skip over. And you know what's so awesome as we look at this? How's this all going to happen? Look at the last phrase of the verse. Isaiah 9, verse 6 and 7, look at the very end. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. The word zeal means an enthusiastic diligence. It means that the Lord will not quit till it happens. Say, Pastor, this world's getting worse and worse. Things are not, yeah, he will not rest. He will not be done till this all happens. So he's hard at work right now. And someday, Jesus is going to return. And he's going to make all things better. And not only did he come in Bethlehem to die for our sins, but he's coming again. And he's going to rule, and he's going to reign, and he's going to be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. He's going to bring in peace to a world that has not known peace since sin entered into the picture in the Garden of Eden. He's going to rule with justice and judgment that this world has not seen. And it's going to happen because God is diligently working behind the scenes to make this all happen. And now you've unwrapped the whole gift of what Christmas is all about. Father.